0: We need two things to survive as a species. The first one is attachment. We will literally die unless we physically and emotionally attach to another human being. The second thing we need is authenticity, the pursuit of who we really are and what we were meant to be and express and how we are meant to express ourselves in this world. Now, because of the overwhelming fear all of us experience as a child, as a result of the moments when our parents were perfectly imperfect and they hurt us and left wounds in us, all of us immediately develop shame. Welcome back. Today, we're gonna talk about stage three in the worst day cycle, shame. Now, this is video four in the five-part series on reclaiming your authentic self by becoming trauma-informed. Please go to my playlist, the worst day cycle playlist, Download the new Bumble now. Pull all of this together, but today we're going to focus on the shame piece. Now, what's critical to understand about shame is it is all about control. Because as a child, when our parents are perfectly imperfect and they leave wounds in us, we are too young to process our parents' and society's perfect imperfections. We don't have the emotional mastery development, we don't have the cognitive development. We are under-equipped to handle the overwhelming nature of these less than perfect and traumatic moments. And so because of that, we all experience the feelings of being unworthy, impotent, inadequate, dumb, dysfunctional, imperfect. We feel neglected and abandoned. And to survive all of that, we then create a false persona, a false identity to hide those feelings from ourselves and here's the proof of it, think of it. In those moments when your parents were scolding you, telling you how bad you were, what did you decide in that moment? Uh Uh-oh, who I am isn't right. I need to adjust because remember what we need, attachment. So if we don't physically and emotionally attach to our parents, we will develop belief system, thoughts, feelings, anything we can to get our parents love. Now, those of you who go, you're a rebel. Well, even as the rebel, you are developing something that gets their attention. It's still attachment, even if it's negative. Even if they're scolding you nonstop, you, what you have found is a negative, what's called negative control. You're using disorder and dysfunction and anger and fights to create attachment because, think of it, We only argue and try and discipline those that we care about. If we don't care about you and you're unruly, we just go, who cares? doesn't matter. And so even the child that is the black sheep of the family has just found a different way of attaching and it works. I get their attention. Now, do you see what we have to give up to do that? Our authentic self. It is the day we die as a our soul gets suppressed and repressed. It has to for the sake of attachment, all right? Now, when we lose this this experience, this loss of the authentic self, what happens in all of us, and this is how the worst day cycle starts permeating everyone's life. We then use those feelings of unworthiness in a self-sabotaging way to relive them basically re-victimizing ourselves. We relive them against ourselves while at the same time placing responsibility on all the other people, places, and things. We become professional victims, basically. I know that's tough to hear, and bear with me. I'll prove it to you. All of us do this. And we do that because we don't know how to give back the shame that was placed in us, not only by our parents, also by society and why is that? Because our parents won't accept responsibility for placing that shame inside of us and why won't they accept responsibility? Because society condones that they don't take ownership of it and why does society condone that parents not take ownership of it? Because we are all uh, shamed. We were all shamed in childhood. It is now a societal precept that we all play the victim. We all place responsibility. We don't want responsibility because who doesn't have responsibility in life? A child. And so that's why society, we're all re We're all just children placing blame and responsibility on other people, places, and things just like a child would do. That's the societal model. And that's why we let parents off the hook. We let ourselves off the hook. That's why cancel culture. That's why all of this whole victim culture of placing blame on everybody else. We are all stuck as the ashamed child in the worst day cycle, re-victimizing ourselves and placing responsibility on everybody else. I'm going to walk you through it on how that happens. Now, as John Bradshaw puts it, when we go through this shaming within ourselves, he describes it this way. This is just, gets at the heart. I wish I could come up with words like this. And that's why I'm reading some of this stuff. Is These are people who've been able to take what I've discovered and what I show and put it in a way that just so is so much more profound than the words I choose, all right? He says it this way. The wounded inner child contaminates intimacy in relationships because he has no sense of his authentic self. The greatest wound a child can receive is the rejection of his authentic self. When a parent cannot affirm his child's feelings, needs, and desires, he rejects that authentic, that child's authentic self. Then a false self must be set up. That's all of us. A shamed person is divided within himself and must create a false cover-up to hide his sense of being flawed and defective. You cannot offer yourself to another person if you do not know who you really are. I'm gonna to get to this. I'm gonna show you how none of us know who. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We really are. Toxically shamed people tend to become more and more stagnant as life goes on. They live in a guarded, secretive, and defensive way. They try to be more than human. They become perfect and controlling or controlling, or less than human, losing interest in life and relationships and st- or stagnating in some sort of addictive behavior, a shame-based person will guard against exposing their inner self to others, but more significantly, he or she will guard against exposing himself to himself. This is all of us. Think of why you don't want to share your history with others. You don't want to share it with yourself. That's not to shame you. I don't blame you. And so those people who, when I use my life story to talk about how all of this stuff works, they think it's awful. Well, did you hear what I just read? Only a shamed person would think that's awful. And, and they think it's terrible that I bring up my ex-wife and she's not here to defend herself. Well, if and when my ex-wife ever decides to do the recovery work, she'll just go, oh, yeah, he's right. Best I could do. We were both perfectly imperfect. And look, yeah, Kenny's right. He did a lot of terrible things to me, too. Like we would share in the misadventures of our perfect imperfect nature. But those that are toxically ashamed don't want anyone to know about it, don't like it when other people talk about it because it exposes, that. then they'd have to see themselves. And so they chastise me, but they're talking to themselves. It's not even about me. Their dislike of it is a dislike for themselves. Bradshaw goes on. This voice that is within us, that's saying we shouldn't do this and this is bad, is mostly created by the shame-based shutdown down defenses of the primary caregivers and i'm adding society just as the shame-based parents in society cannot accept their own weaknesses their own wants feelings vulnerability and dependency needs they cannot accept their children's neediness feelings weakness vulnerability and dependency think of what parents do stop it you guys like they just that's why they're angry i can't you guys want too much that voice is the result of the parents slash society's deeply repressed desire to destroy the aliveness and spontaneity of the child whenever he or she intrudes on the parents' or society's defenses. So again, people jumping on me, society, victim culture, all of this. That's all these little kids and parents. That's what it, All of it is shame-based. Their anger toward their shaming parents or society could not be expressed for fear of losing the parent or their place in the world. That anger is then turned inward and becomes self-hatred. That's where the self-victimization will come. I'll show it to you in a little bit here. The parents' societies, the parents slash societies, defenses against their pain and shame prevent these feelings from erupting into consciousness, false self, False persona. We can't consciously admit all these truths that this is the childhood we all went through and this is how we're all reliving it. If the parent slash society were to let the child express those feelings, it would threaten their own defenses. The parent slash society must stop the child's feelings of neediness and pain so that the parent and society don't have to feel their own own feelings of neediness and pain and so those who reject what i say those who don't want to go down this road those in victim culture those in council culture all of that is the inner child in the adult in society saying don't talk about parenting quit blaming parenting you know all these different things and it's not blame as i talked about in the previous videos it's just truth It's just responsibility. So all the people that push back against me, like Bradshaw, do you see how beautifully he says it? I couldn't say it this well and succinctly. That's why I had to read is it's like there, that's what's happening. We're in massive denial and massive shame as a culture and society, as parents. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. And so we push, we repress, we get angry and it's all, we're all filled with this self-hatred, self loathing So remember, shame is about control. So I have to control what you say, what you do, who you are and all of this stuff. That's the, victim, the, the victimizing nature of this is I got to control you because I can't control me because society, my parents say, I can't let that inner child in me express their thoughts and feelings and their pain. We're not allowed to do that in our culture. That's why I do all this. I'm trying to change that. So, to survive that, we create, fault, as he said, we create, we create a false persona, a false self. But it's detrimental. Now, as he talks about the most paradoxical aspect of shame is that it is the core motivator of the super-achieved and the underachieved. So, most successful, least successful. Nobody's immune from it all the people you're trying to emulate they're just as perfectly imperfect if you feel like you're down here the star and the scapegoat the righteous and the wretched the powerful and the pathetic this is where when he's talking about the powerful the right or the star the super achieved these people in in as a result of their shame have fallen into the trap of what's called a falsely empowered codependent yet our society says oh no they've got it together they figured it out they weren't shamed as a child oh yes they were they were massively shamed that and and here's how he talks about it the distorted thinking can be reduced of the falsely empowered codependent to the belief of this i'll be okay if i drink eat have sex get more money work harder etc the shame turns a person into a human doing not a human being so the super achieved the so called successful they chase all of that because look at i have the accolades i've made it i'm not filled with shame oh yes you are you're a human doing not a human being and as alice miller says it beautifully when she talks about successful the successful person The contempt for others that lies within the grandiose, successful people always includes disrespect for their own true selves as their scorn of the less fortunate, less accomplished implies. Because this is their interior dialogue, without these superior qualities of mind, a person is completely worthless. This means further, That without these achievements, without these gifts, I could never be loved and would never have even been loved. That's at the heart of the most successful. Now think about it. Think about Donald Trump. Incredibly successful, whether you like him or not. But what could Trump not admit? That he was ever wrong. Why? Do you know his childhood? Horrifically abused. His father told him he'd amount to nothing, that only his brother had worth. And his brother died of, I think it was alcohol addiction, killed himself through alcohol. So Trump's whole MO was, I will become a super achiever just to prove, I'll do more than my father. I'll even take over his company and move into Manhattan because my father didn't believe he could do it. So he went and did all of these things. And so Trump can't admit he's wrong ever. It's the death because underneath, without these achievements... I could never be loved by my father and never would have been loved. I brought this up in the last video, Michael Jordan. He broke down crying in that 10-part series because he can't get the world to love him. His father didn't love him. His father told him all day, every day, how he didn't amount to nothing. Well, now the world's upset with him because he treated his players that way. And so instead of being praised for being the best over, he's being scorned for his treatment of others. He's going, damn it! I did everything I could to get attention, and look, I'm the best ever, and you still won't love me. Do you see the self-victimization of Trump? And it's not just Trump. I'm not this. You look, Bernie Sanders does this too. You know, he hates the wealthy. Yet when he asked, you know, in his political campaign, it's hysterical. He wants everyone to get more money, a higher minimum wage but he was only paying, he wants $15 an hour, and he was only paying his workers $13 an hour. And so they all revolted. And so you know what he did? He cut their hours, which is what businesses say. If you raise the minimum wage, we can't afford it. We'll lower their hours. And that's exactly what Bernie did. Like, (laughs) he's fighting for all these so-called socialist principles, and yet he doesn't believe in them. They're all self-victimizing. Everyone does this. Nobody's immune. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, black lives, blue lives, white lives, dog, cat, doesn't matter. It's all the same. And that's why I say the most successful are the most broken because they have the trappings of success and our culture protects them. Remember I said, this isn't just a parental problem. This is a societal problem. The shame is, the society is a shamed. We are all shame-based creatures. And so we can't see, you know, look at who sets the policies in our world. It's the most successful. And so you wonder, you know, you're sitting here going, this is wrong, wrong, wrong. Well, who sets it? So-called the brightest, smartest, the ones who haven't been through childhood trauma. It's baloney. They're just as traumatized as all of us. The difference is we as a society won't call it out. We won't say what it is. And so even us down here go, I want that it's just the polar opposite of what you're experiencing and so another way that as a society we avoid all of this and we stay in the falsely empowered is we have learned to avoid emotional mastery to keep our shame alive we do that through cognitive addictions like Bradshaw even points out it's a being our science is neuroscience has shown that we feel before we ever think every thought and every action starts from a feeling they've proven it in experiments yet we all denounce feelings and so what we've created is this culture that's filled with cognitive addictions most self-help is about trying to change the way you think what's complete waste of time you can't change your thoughts until you can change your feelings And so he points out cognitive addictions are a powerful way to avoid feelings. As he said, he lived in his head for years. He was a university professor. Thinking can be a way to avoid feelings. All addictions, whatever they may be, success, living in squalor, they all have a thinking component. It's called obsession. Obsession is a feeling state, it's a shame-based state. This also leads to the disempowered codependent. Shame is a two-headed monster, falsely empowered, the rich and famous disempowered, the the victimized who search it out and replay it upon themselves. Well, both sides do it, but our society looks as, as this is the victim. They're both victims. They just do it differently. These are the disempowered codependents, the so-called nice people, all right? And this is what you have to be careful with a lot of political parties. They want to be nice, but they're just hiding their shame because, as Bradshaw points out, the goal of the nice person is his own image, not the other person. Being nice is primarily a way of manipulating people in situations because by doing so, they avoid any real emotional contact and intimacy, by avoiding intimacy, the nice person can assure that no one will see them as they truly are. Shame-based, flawed, and defective. I prefer the term perfectly imperfect, not defective. I read about this in my book, the chapter, I, the day I saw my darkness, I thought I was this nice, nice guy. None of us are. We do things from, and, and, I, and the proof of that is, have you ever been resentful that somebody didn't recognize your niceness we all have especially the nice people the nice people get the most upset at how nobody recognizes how nice they are well that's what he's saying be nice is being nice is primarily a way of manipulating people in situations we can because see do you see what we can do Now I can control you by blaming you, people, places, and things for how you're not recognizing how nice I am and not rewarding me for it. It's manipulative. The only way it's truly nice is if you don't keep score, you don't throw it in their face and you don't have resentment. Well, we've all been raised by this ashamed society that says, you know, like I said, a lot of political parties, And a lot of um, social causes are about doing things that are making us nice. They're not. They're about controlling, manipulating people so that they don't have to experience their feelings. But they're not in reality about that. The false self is running things. And so I had to admit that a lot of the nice things I do aren't nice. Nice. The thing to recognize is that unconditional love and acceptance of self seems to be the hardest tasks for all of humankind, Bradshaw says. Refusing to accept our real selves, which is our imperfections. That's what I'm bringing to light here is all of our imperfections. Man, this is uncomfortable. But this, if we want our real selves, we all have to take ownership and learn to love and accept our perfect imperfections. Because we refuse to accept our real selves, our perfectly imperfect selves, we try to create more powerful false selves or we give up and become less than human. This results in a lifetime of cover up and secrecy. The secrecy and hiding is the basic cause of all human suffering. And this creates what I call the disparity of love. Everybody wants to be loved at this level. Yet we all feel our self-esteem is at this level because we're all hiding. We all have perfect imperfections. We're all filled with shame. Every parent hurt us. We hurt our children as parents. We don't want to admit that as a society or as a person. So do you see, if I can't admit truth of who I am and I can't love myself, yeah, I made some mistakes. I'd like to do better and I'm going to keep working on it, but it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. So, because that's what this person can do. This is the love we want. But if I'm here in my, this is what we're talking about is self-love. Someone with self-love can own, share, laugh at their perfect imperfections. They don't need to overachieve. They don't need to underachieve. They don't need to be overly nice. They don't need to control and manipulate. But since we are all here, we can't get this love we're only capable of this and therefore we will only accept this and the proof of that is look at your relationships have you received this no very few of us if any of us have not because we're not worthy of it but because our shame and low self-esteem means we only attract this We have to confront our worst day cycle. We have to heal the pain from our past. We have to admit we are ashamed as a culture and society that our parenting dynamic instills that in us. That we then protect as a society and go, oh, don't talk about the past. Don't deal with childhood. We have this false, well, okay. You can choose that and you can stay here if that's what you want. And so then, you know, what you're going to do is you're going to buy into political parties and political movements and social causes to try and control and bring people down to you. That's what you're going to do. You're going to try and strip them of their power and and anything they like or anything to come down here with you. That's what shame does. It strips everyone and everything. It's about control and power and saying you people, places and things need to be different so that I can feel okay. That's a shamed-based person. A love-based person goes, hmm, it looks like you're hurting to me. It looks like you want to control and tell me how to live my life and what I should think and believe. I love you. I'll let you do that. I'm not going to join you in that. I'll let you suffer the consequences of choosing that, but I'm not going to enable you. I'll let you take responsibility that you're choosing to victimize yourself that way. I love you enough to do that. Like, I don't need false power or false niceness to come down here and drag you out of that. You're choosing it. Like, I, you know, I'm sharing with you truth and how to get out of it. If you don't want to get out of it and you want to stay here, that's fine. I'll let you. That's love. Well, if you want this kind of love, you need to be able to have that kind of truth with yourself. And to do that, we must all face the worst day cycle and face the shame that we're all stuck in. So what's the solution? Four steps. Become an expert in the worst day cycle. Heal the pain from your past. You do that by developing emotional mastery. It's number three. And when you have that, you can love and accept your perfect imperfections. You can share them openly with others. You can laugh at, You remember the first video I did, it was talking about perfect imperfections, being able to let it roll off our back. That's how we do it. So I'm going to help you start becoming an expert in reclaiming your authentic self, developing emotional mastery, learning to love and accept your perfect imperfections and heal the pain from the past by showing you how shame works and how to discover it in yourself. Remember, we need two things. We need attachment and authenticity. Now, because as a child, in those moments when our parents were perfectly imperfect and they hurt us, in that moment, we learned denial, all right? Now, we're really going to get it in the last video, we'll get into denial. I can't, some of this, I'll be honest with you, some of this, you're going to feel a little bit left hanging because without the information on denial, you can't bring it all together, okay? But I just have to do it that way, all right? But do you see, in that moment, we, weren't, we learned self-deception and denial. We had to. We had to go, wait a minute, mom and dad aren't perfect. We couldn't admit that they weren't perfect. We also realized there are rules in this house and they're all based on making sure mom and dad aren't upset. Because if mom and dad are upset, we're in trouble and I get sent the message, I am worth less. There's something defective in me because that's what was sent to them and they're, you know it's what gets passed down right so we learn in that moment to repress those feelings of hurt sadness pain everything we learn to minimize oh this isn't that big a deal well getting slapped spanked hit no and and being yelled at. Kenny you made me tough you're gonna you're just asking every kid to get a trophy like these are all we condone we justify all the mistreatment so any person listening right now who's trying to say I wasn't I don't have pain from my past. I don't have anything from my childhood and that my current adult problems have nothing to do with childhood. That is a person who's so detached from reality, who's so filled with shame. They have so much repressed trauma. They have minimized, condoned and justified their parents' mistreatment. That tells me how critical and how scary it was to survive in their house, how it was absolutely not okay for them to be their authentic selves. Not because their parents are bad people, but because that's what was done to their parents and they're just doing what they know and society and everything is condoning it. Everyone's doing the best they can with the information that they have at the time. Again, this isn't to blame. It's to help and bring everyone into reality so parents can take ownership. Most parents listening go, oh my God, I had no idea I was hurting my kids this way. It's true, most people don't just take ownership of it and go wow this is great no wonder my kids don't like me no wonder everything ends in a fight they're hurt i never knew that my perfect imperfections were so profound you get connection isn't that what we all want that's what truth gives connection now because of that because we had to suppress and all of that we had no choice to do that our survival depended on it. Second thing happens here. We, In that moment, we develop a false persona to create attachment. We develop feelings, thoughts, and beliefs about ourselves and about the world to protect our parents and society, but ultimately ourselves. We recognize, remember, that what's it take to survive as a species? We need attachment. We do all of this because inherently, we know we will die without it. So it's a defense mechanism, it doesn't make you bad. But this also means we don't know who we are. And I know everyone thinks they do, but when you do the work on the cycle, you realize, oh my God, he was right, I didn't know. I thought this was who I was and what I believed. It's not, it's not, okay? Now, as a result of developing this false persona, the way we learn to suppress it and and condone it and minimize all of this is we develop mantras, to survive this trauma, <clears throat> we also use to, to survive the trauma, um, survive the denial, and the loss of our authentic self. What people don't realize is now these mantras are things like for me, it was, oh, what's the point? Like when my dad would, um, I would flat out lie and I'd want to defend myself, I go, oh, what's the point? He's not going to listen anyway. You know, and think of all this self. Here's what you want to f- listen to yourself is when you make a mistake, listen to how you belittle yourself. We all do it, even from the rich to the poor. We all have some sort of consistent language we use that denigrates ourselves. Like one of the things I do is I, walk, I go, oh, Kenneth. Whenever I was in trouble, the only time I ever heard my full name was when I was in trouble. My dad would yell, Kenneth! Even to this day, someone calls me Kenneth, I'm like, Ugh. I'll politely say, you know, could you not call me Kenneth? I prefer Ken or Kenny, but I actually like Kenny the most. I don't like hearing Kenneth. I still have trauma around that. It's the only time I ever heard it was I was in trouble with my dad. What are your mantras? Now, this is important because this shows you what you use to suppress and condone. Take on your parents' shame take on society's shame, stuff it inside of you, belittle yourself with it. And now this is the false persona because when, you know, when Kenneth comes in, I went, oh, not okay to be Kenneth. And I developed thoughts, feelings, and beliefs to survive it. See, this is what's beautiful about our pain and our shame is we're all of these things we're creating, what we don't realize, and I'm gonna get to how this works. Everything we do, we're using it to show us how everything I'm saying is true. It's all true. Like you, you won't be able to run away from it. And I'm not smiling. Like here I go again, I'm smiling. When I'm talking about something incredibly difficult, overwhelming, heartbreaking, sad, but you can see the joy I get from it because once I figured all this out, I was free. I was free of my parents' shame, society's shame, all of this stuff. <clears throat> we develop these mantras because they are the window into how we heal. They are going to show us how to forgive ourselves, how to forgive our parents, how to forgive our society, and get our life back. The fourth thing we do is we all self-victimize. Now, I know this, this one's going to be tough, but think about it. What happens in a riot? We're mad at the police, we're mad at the government, and what do we do? We destroy our own neighborhoods, we destroy ourselves. <laughs> Think about it. All the riots have been going on, and and they're fighting for black rights, and they're destroying black neighborhoods. They're not going over to you know destroy you know the people they're angry at the so, the white people or whoever it may be. They destroy themselves. Like I'm laughing. It's a serious thing. I shouldn't laugh at it. But I'm I'm laughing at how obvious it is. That's what I'm laughing at. Is again, it's that sense of God. How did we? we not see this earlier what happens in a divorce you feel rejected abandoned neglected and so what do you do you immediately start drinking and sleeping around you're looking you're looking for outside approval but what do you feel inside terrible at how you're giving yourself away you victimize yourself to try and get your power back destroy yourself what about our health what happens when you get sick or hurt Everybody comes to your defense, right? You get total control. We'd love to be sick and hurt. Everyone says, oh, I don't want to get, no, there's no advantage to not being sick or hurt. That's why we get, so that's why our our population, as we develop more and more medically, our population is getting sicker and sicker because the worst day cycle is getting, we're getting more ashamed. And so we're all just, we're screaming, will somebody help me heal all of this? So we keep getting sicker and sicker. That's why we pick relationships. Look at every one of your relationships. You're going to see they mirror what you went through in childhood. I'm going to give you an example of that in a minute. What about your career? Your career tells me how you were shamed as a child. A real estate agent moved a lot as a child, or there was some sort of chaos around the home because what's the the process of buying and selling a home? Pure chaos. What about Anyone in sales, car sales, computer sales, whatever it is, they were told directly or indirectly through words or actions that they had no worth because what happens in sales? It doesn't matter how much I sell. I could sell a billion dollars today. Tomorrow I start at zero, no worth. They're just reliving their pain and trauma against themselves. Again, I'll give you another example. Everything we do, it's all we're ever doing. Every choice we make, we're re-victimizing ourselves. The process of recovery is learning. Wait a minute, it's like I had to discover about golf. The act of golf, the swinging of the club was just like my uh, uh, brother of mine who physically beat the living hell out of me. It, I would go into pure trauma, swinging. Walking on the golf course was healing. See, in every one of these self-victimizing pursuits, there is an element of health. What we've never been taught is how to discern that. That's what this whole emotional mastery, everything teaches you is how to learn that, Okay. <clears throat> so everything we're doing every choice we're making is just like living in a 3d movie all right but it's like watching one without the glasses you know what that's like right you can't really make out the images everything's distorted because we don't have the glasses well learning about the worst day cycle developing emotional mastery gives you the glasses when you learn everything i'm teaching in here you'll look at every choice you've ever made and it'll all become clear Oh my God, that's why I married that one. That's why I picked that career. That's why I'm doing everything. It's just all from childhood, nothing else. Your hobbies, the food you like, the colors you wear, all of it. It's all childhood-based, okay? The fifth thing that's part of this shame piece is it's an inability to claim responsibility. Now, why do we play the victim and place responsibility on everybody else, cancel culture, all of this is, do you see what it gives us? We get to stay the child. We get someone else to take care of us. Whether that's society, whether that's a friend, whether that's a relationship, we place that responsibility because we were neglected and abandoned when our parents shamed us perfectly imperfectly. They didn't mean to, but they did. So we're all asking society and everyone else to parent us. Well, do you see if I'm always requiring you to fix my problem, I'm never an adult. I'm never my authentic self. I have no power all of these positions place you in control of whether i'm happy or not that's why when people say you know you shouldn't say these words about people that's codependence you get to decide whether something hurts you or not and the proof of that is what happens when someone compliments you what what do most people do oh yeah i don't want to hear it. well wait a minute i thought nice words were what we all wanted but you can't accept a compliment that's the proof we all choose how we feel about the things we hear There's a racist word that starts with an N. If a person of that color says it to someone in that color, it's a compliment. But if another person of a different color says it, it's the worst thing you can say. That's proof again. We choose how we feel about that information. I'm not condoning it but it's the truth, but we self-victimize, we don't, I don't want to take responsibility of I'm choosing that that word hurts me, now I'm not saying what, and see, so immediately what's going to happen is people's shame and stuff from the past is going to come up and they're going to just stick, like I'm tearing away their ability to play the victim, it is true that many people throughout life have been treated poorly but in each moment we get to decide as my counselor taught me you can be walking down the street minding your own business you get shot by a sniper it's not your fault getting called a word isn't your fault being treated poorly isn't your fault but you are responsible for walking down that street it didn't happen in a vacuum Now you have a choice. This information has come at you. This treatment has come at me. You get to decide, are you going to lay on the concrete, bleeding out, screaming at everybody? Oh my God, this is awful. I didn't deserve this. Somebody please help me. Or worse, many people won't even do that. They'll just lay there and bleed out and blame. You know, It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. fault." They won't do anything. Well, no, it's our responsibility. I got shot in the leg. I can still get up. I can crawl to the emergency room. I can ask for help. Maybe someone will help me. Maybe they won't. It's still my responsibility to go to the hospital, get the bullet removed, and it doesn't end there. Then I need to go to recovery, hire a professional to help me heal the wound. I'm responsible for that. I'm responsible for why did I walk down that street? I'm responsible at all times for whether I give other people's words power I give other people's actions power, other people's beliefs. A shame-based person won't take responsibility and they want you to fix it for them. That's why we are a society that is ashamed. We are moving more and more demanding that other people heal our wounds. That is purgatory. Look at the world. Is it working? It just gets worse. It's, it never works because we are the child laying on the concrete, screaming for someone to heal us. They can't, only we can. Now, I'm gonna tell you a story of how all of this works because a lot of those are concepts and it's tough to keep track of. So I'm gonna tell you a, a, a section of my life my life story so you can see how the ashamed person and ashamed society would tell you the story then i'm going to tell you of what the truth is when you have emotional mastery when you've conquered your worst day cycle when you have healed the pain from the past and loved your perfect imperfections and you've moved out of shame out of denial out of fear okay i used to tell my life story this way that i was married for 10 years to a woman who cut me off from my family, who we only had 12 instances of intimacy in 10 years. And an instance of intimacy would be any type of kind words, physical touch, or any type of intimate act, I will say. 12 in 10 years. The last one was two and a half years before uh, we divorced. We're standing standing by the front door, getting ready to go to dinner. And she says, your rear end, not what she said but your rear end looks good in those jeans that was the last instance of intimacy she was also physically and verbally abusive all right now i used to tell the story look at i gave up my family oh that's right i was playing pro hockey at the time and she asked me to quit because she didn't think our relationship would stay together so i used to when i first left before i learned how all of this works and i was shame-based i would tell everyone can you believe it i gave up my family I gave up my dream career. I gave up an intimate life. And for all of that, I was physically and verbally abused. Isn't that how most people, that's that's the person laying on the sidewalk who's been shot by the sniper. Look, I'm this nice guy. Look at all I gave up. I was loving and kind. And yeah, sure, I made mistakes, but no one deserves that. I didn't deserve to be treated that way. She's a narcissist. She's you know, I had all these names for her and everything. Isn't how, how most people just turn on the TV? Real housewives, Kardashians, everything, your own life. That's how everyone describes things. Bunch of baloney. Bunch of baloney. Here's the truth. When you do this work, you realize wait a minute. Why did I pick somebody? See the responsibility? I allowed somebody in my life. Who would place the option of you can choose your family or your career or me? Sounding a lot different, isn't it? Hear the responsibility in that? Why did I pick that person? Why did I say yes to that? I could, look, I can date, we can all date thousands of people. Yet I said yes to this person. Well, when you do the recovery work, you realize I was in my mid 20s playing pro hockey, still living at home. I was the emotional support for both my parents. It's called enmeshment, severely codependent, covert sexual abuse with my mother, these really twisted dynamics. I couldn't get out. I couldn't leave. I was emotionally intertwined sickly with my parents so i pick somebody subconsciously we don't do any of this conscious this is how the cycle works we're re-victimizing ourselves remember 3d movie choosing things trying to show us kenny will you heal the pain from the past love your perfect imperfections develop emotional mastery but no one's taught us this is how it works so i picked her why so i could get out of the house and i could do what i could play the victim and blame her you see it what about hockey? Well, I realized I never wanted to play hockey. I have a newspaper article from over 30 years ago when my brother had just turned pro. He'd signed with the Islanders. And a couple years later, I was about to turn pro. The top of it says, sibling rivalry developed or ice proficiency developed from sibling rivalry, something like that. And the first two paragraphs talk about how my brother and I used to fight for power and he beat the living heck out of me. Like I'd throw not like it was brutal all right and so we're just joking around like everyone does about sibling rivalry well this is abusive stuff that we call sibling rivalry not because he's bad that tells you how bad his childhood was that he was angry enough like i don't blame him he's just trying to exercise his demons from my parents perfect imperfections and i'm smaller so of course he's you know it's going to go downhill so he's not to blame he's hurting too second paragraph talks about how when my older brother used to force me into the net while playing street hockey and shoot frozen tennis balls at my head, Kenny figured something out. Here's the 3D movie, Self-Victimization. He realized when he stopped his brother's shots, it would tick him off. I never wanted to play pro hockey. I was just reliving my trauma trying to get back at my older brother. 3D movie, it's all we're ever doing. Picking things. I didn't want to play hockey. I just wanted to survive. All right? So now I pick somebody. Look, I got to play the victim. Oh, I gave up hockey for her. What about the physical intimacy aspect? Well, because of my mom's covert sexual abuse of constantly walking in, finding her passed out on the floor with no clothes on, the day I found her naked on the toilet, the way she would leer at me, how I was her favorite, and, and she'd look at me um, as though I was hot that's covert. It's not direct. It's overt is what you most of you think about. These are covert things. Your parents walk around naked. That's so that's covert. You know, parents, you know, sexual language, all these things, those are covert types of abuse. Well, that's what my mom did. So because of all that, I couldn't, you know, well, when I was younger, I was an alcoholic. I'd quit drinking. Now that I was sober, I couldn't be intimate. So I picked somebody who wasn't capable of it either because of her own childhood history. And what else could I do? Play the victim and point the finger at her. I could blame her for us not being physically intimate. Now, what about the physical and verbal abuse? Well, remember my father, Kenneth? I could never be right, ever. I could never be right with her. And every time I tried to prove that I was right, I'd get just chastised, belittled, just like my father. My older brother beat the living heck out of me. And so why did I pick someone just like that? Because it's all I knew. I was filled with shame, with perfect imperfections. I was raised in a way, and all of you, it's the same thing. If you've been with a narcissist, whatever it is, Now, I know this is very difficult to hear and very difficult to absorb. It was for me, and this takes time. My videos, like my book, is a book you need to read three to five times a year for five to 10 years. I know there are sentences in there that you will never see because of how the shame and denial portion work. You'll never admit them to yourselves until you get further along in the journey. That's why journey's in the title. Should have been your journey to yourself, not your journey to success. It took me I don't know how long this process will take you to admit these truths, but I can sit with anyone and break your life down just like this. You're everyone's doing it. I don't care how successful or unsuccessful you are. This is everybody. We all do this. We all pick careers, we all pick relationships to show us our perfect imperfections, what we need to heal and ultimately what we need to forgive. See, my ex-wife isn't the problem. I adore her. Do you see what she taught me? I don't condone her behavior, and I don't condone if you were abused or hurt in any way. But thank God for my ex-wife. She co-signed on my manipulative BS. Now, she chose not to do the work to heal. I did, I chose to do the work, and so now I have truth and see, so that my second marriage, I, I moved up. I got, I actually got, there was kindness in my second marriage because I developed, you know, I moved past more shame. And now I'm ready for something more up here. That's what the process gives you. But you have to make the choice to do that work. So, a couple more things. This is going to be very difficult to admit because of the loss of self that we all experienced in these moments. And so do you see what i'm asking you to confront that you're you're not really who you think you are and that, like i know you're going come on kenny that's baloney but if you do the work you'll see it. But also you created this false persona to create connection so you're going to resist it. You're going to deny it because then it's like well wait a minute if you were present enough to recognize you know even if You were present enough to recognize your parents were less than perfect. You're going, but Kenny, if I confront this, I became all of this to connect to my parents. Don't make me, then I've got nothing if I confront all this. And that's the denial aspect. That's what we're going to get to next. I told you that these two videos are like really deep and they're the crux of everything. That's what we're coming to. But I want to kind of end with this. What is healthy shame? Healthy shame is the permission to be human. This is again Bradshaw. To be human is to be essentially limited. It is to be finite, needy, and prone to mistakes. Healthy shame lets us know that we are not God and that we truly need help. Do you think those falsely empowered, so-called rich? No, they can't admit this. This successful we all want to be. <clears throat> we will know this is mine. We will know we have recovered when we can laugh at ourselves laugh at our perfect imperfections, share them openly with others, and we don't take ourselves so seriously. And that's why I do all this, is to model. This is what it looks like when you're able to confront your shame, you're able to confront your denial and your parents' perfect imperfections and love them. Love them and love yourself. Okay? If you want to begin that process, you can begin that by taking my free Emotional Masterclass your Journey to Emotional Mastery. You can just go to www.thegreatnessyou.com to do that. If you want to take it a step further, buy my book, Your Journey to Success. It goes in more detail of how this cycle works and how to begin the process. Now, if you really if you really want to dig into the shame stuff and start healing all of this, then you'll have to make a bigger investment. You know, I would suggest that you purchase my masterclass, The Complete Journey to Creating Lasting Love and Connection. It'll give you the journey books and the videos to walk you through. So you can start seeing all of this. Please be kind and patient with yourself. This stuff is not easy to absorb, admit and grasp right away. That's why most people, it takes them one to three years before they'll ever start listening to me. Most won't follow me or like me or anything. It I am an acquired taste <laughs> because I'm asking you to confront things that are not easy. And, um, but I promise you, if you choose to do this, everything you've been looking for in life, by avoiding all of this, you'll get it. It's the only way I've found, and it's been true for every client I've ever worked with, every person I've ever worked with that pursues this path. They get the freedom they're looking for. If you think this will help somebody, please share it. Leave me your comments. And man, especially on the shame and denial portion, go slow, take your time, and remind yourself each and every day, I'm on the journey, just enjoy where I am right now.